This is Paul Nobles from Eat Perform, and today I am with former client, current coach uh, at Eat Perform, Sarah Hoffman. Sarah, do you want to say hello to everyone? Hi. So before we get into Sarah's client profile, I just wanted to, you know, talk to the people who um, might be listening to this, considering Eat Perform, and then they 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 listen to this and they're like, "That sounds like me. I 100% need a coach, and this will really help me." Just go to www.eatperform.com. Uh, the other thing that is actually interesting is that Sarah's actually one of the people that you could possibly talk to in that scenario. Uh, one of the things that we thought a few years ago was that the diet industry wasn't particularly transparent. And what often happens is you find a landing page and then you're getting all this information, but you want to actually talk to a real person and you can't. And uh, so we we brought that to the table a few years ago and it's been phenomenal. It allows clients to talk to a coach, see what it's like, actually ask them a few questions and 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 just kind of run through the process a little bit. So um, that's something you can take advantage of. Let's just jump right into, oh, by the way, uh, that's uh, www.eatperform.com. If I didn't say that, also, there's a little button on the bottom right that during business hours, you can actually talk live to a coach. All right, Sarah. So you've been a coach probably what, like a, a year, year and a half now? Correct. Yeah. And then you were an eat performer for how long before that? About a year. And so talk to me about how you came to eat to perform and, and it just feels like, you know, for a good portion of people you represent who they would be similar towards. And I'll get into that in a bit. Um, yeah, so it was a, an ad that popped up on my newsfeed, um, you know, just constantly felt like I was looking for the answer. Why was I working out so hard? And I didn't see those results and the uh, eat to perform part really stuck out for me. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it's interesting because you know, I think for a lot of people, and I know you're not really a CrossFitter per se, but I remember that was a little bit of, of my journey as well, right? Where when I first started off, um, I entered a CrossFit gym. Previous to that, I hadn't done a lot of um, weightlifting, right? And certainly not any real smart weightlifting. And the person that I was working out with at that time uh, was a army ranger, you know, and he, he kind of promised to like train us like, like he did all of his army ranger people. And at that time I was really into that kind of thought process. Right. And I would work out a ton and, and all these different types of things. And I was also eating 5,000 calories a day, right. Or more. Um, for people that don't know, that was sort of a bar that I kept as I started blogging about my journey eventually, right? And I wanted to make sure that I was 
hitting those numbers. Not necessarily, by the way, what ultimately became Eat to Perform, right? The the calorie part of Eat to Perform was right, but there was still a lot of specifics that I hadn't put together um, until a couple of years later, once we started hiring real high level type of people to put the pieces together. But um, yeah, I think one of the things that resonates with, with people, or at least resonates with me, like I watch um, your lifestyle is very similar to my lifestyle, right? I travel a lot. Um, you know, I try to have a lot of social situations and things of this nature. And what I think that a lot of people, if they really reflect on things every now and again, right? Like during, during coaching, people will ask, you know, do I really need to work out to do this? And the answer is, yeah, right? <laughs> like, it's not no, you know, I mean, we're called to eat to perform, but perform is different. And so I, I look at your workouts as an example. And, you know, now I'm not interested in that level of, of um, workout, you know, I my interests are, are different if anyone listens to any of these podcasts right now they know my interests are playing pickleball all the time but can you talk to that a little bit because i i i don't want to give people the impression that to be healthy you have to work out with weights all the time but to look like sarah hoffman you kind of do you know what i mean and I, i think that if people walk into that with the right mindset but if if you're working hard right now and you're not seeing those results. Talk about that a little bit. Right. So um, the, the first part being, uh, for sure, you don't have to lift heavy weights in order to be fit or healthy. That's just that's not that's not true. Uh, you should do some because you know longevity and uh, it will help you as you age. But if you see an image of someone and you want that physique, you like the the tone look, which I hate that word, but you like that look, that requires lifting weights regularly and progressively heavier um, uh, day over day, week over week, month over month, uh, and consistently for not six months, not one year, but we're talking about decades of work, um, just uh, nonstop. Um, and if you are in the gym all the time and you do feel like you're lifting weights and you are following programs written specifically for you to gain muscle, but you're not seeing those results, it is highly likely that you are severely under eating because it takes food to build muscle. Yeah. One of the things that I think differentiates us from a lot of other places is that we're really honest about that, right? Like, like overly so. And people don't like to hear that because I think that there's a, a fear of food, right? And so if normally in a deficit cycle, you know, you get down to, let's say 1100 calories, right? Um, and like, you're like, no, not interested. Um, and, and now all of a sudden you go, you hear that you need more food, those people go to 1400 calories as if like that's some number that's going to do anything like 
Can you give people a practical example of when you're in performance, right? So let me back up just a second because I want to I want to talk to the people who have never heard of Eat to Perform. This is the first podcast that they, they've ever listened to. The basic concept of Eat to Perform is that you should not be dieting most of the time. You should be eating normal calories most of the time. And that if you have that other consistency in place and your calories are higher, then that's going to allow you to build muscle. It's going to allow you to perform better in the gym. If you're an endurance athlete, it's going to allow you to run farther faster, all those different types of things. But give an example of like some, some concrete numbers, you know, that you've hit in performance. I know it's going to scare some people, but it genuinely is the answer. If you're trying to, to the, the thing that we hear all the time is, is I work out all the time and I don't see that in the mirror. Right. right. So give them an example of calories. Uh, so I have uh, pretty much pinpointed that maintenance for me. So not gaining any muscle at all, but also not putting on any fat, which is a great place to be for me in the summertime because I'm in a swimsuit all the time um, is about 2000 to 2,200 calories. I can swing anywhere in there with maybe some heavy party weekends and then get back on track and everything really stays tight and perfect. Now, whenever I get into PR and I want to push heavy and I'm with the goal to try to put on some muscle, uh, which is really hard and time consuming, um, right now I'm sitting at about 2,600. So let's go back to that 2,000 calories because it's not 2,000 calories, right? I mean, what you're saying is, is that you have moments where there's alcohol calories, there's, there's eating out calories and things of that nature. Would you say that if you were to average the calories out, right, it would be close to PR or maybe something closer to 2,400, 25? Um. I guess maybe occasionally, you know, depending on the week, but I try to stay fairly close um, and stay away from parties at that time. Um, but yeah, I guess you could say maybe I, you know, a couple of weeks might be 24 average. Cause I don't think, I don't think people are honest with themselves on, on two levels. Right. So, so what happens is that their calories get higher because on the weekends during the summer, they they're they're not tracking right and so maybe they're they're mindful but i think actually the more common scenario right is you're in the summer you know you're going to be in a swimsuit just all these things and you actually kind of under eat as a result right you're sort of notorious for tracking even when you're you're out and kind of doing the thing right and and can you talk to people about that because i think that even guesstimating does keep you in the ballpark for sure um if i go on eight vacations a year which is not unheard of i would say six of the eight i do loosely track just so that i can know if i need to make a different decision at dinner or if I need to make a different decision uh, at lunch because I know what's gonna happen at dinner, uh, just so that I can stay somewhere in the ballpark, right? If 
I'm averaging 2,200 calories a day and three days I on vacation, I eat 2,800 calories that includes alcohol. That's no big deal, right? That's, that's only 600 calories. That is absolutely nothing uh, to recover from should there be, you know, sodium or, you know, water retention or whatever. Um, but, you know, uh, I mean, I've, I tracked last weekend. I had a really nice Sunday fun day and I did the best I could to track that. And my coach looked at the file and laughed because it was, you know, 110 grams of fat and 500 grams of carbs, but I did the best I could <laughs> to, to track it because I want to know, right? Data is knowledge and knowledge is power. Yeah, I think the specifics matter so much more than people think, not just from the standpoint of overeating, but also from undereating, right? Because people will have alcohol, right? Like you said, throughout the weekend or whatever, they don't necessarily track it. And then it's just salads for the rest of the week. If you're, you know, doing some kind of hard workout, right? Like you described earlier, you know, progressive type workout or, or something where you're just trying to get better at exercise. It's just really, really hard to do that with, you know, you're just naturally going to be working out at 60% and, and maybe even less. Right. Um, and so um, I think that it's really important for people to hear what you just said, because not because of, you know, oh, I'm just trying to be accountable and let my coach know, but because it keeps calories up, right? And and talk to that because that's something that I think you probably experience, but you probably experience less than other people because a lot of times people, like I said, people get caught in like that food prison around 1,100, 1,400 calories or something like that. And then they have a weekend away, right? And weight then goes up three to five pounds. Talk to us a little bit about like weight fluctuations around weekends away and then what you do in those moments. Cause I think it's going to be different than what most other people are doing. Right. So, um, I feel like I have an interesting perspective as well because I'm a coach. And so I see a lot of people that do come out of lower calories and they go on a trip and they come back and, you know, they're five pounds up and, um, they don't understand why it's not coming back down. Whereas we're, if I were to do something like that in my current condition, deep in PR and I go on vacation or even this past weekend, a total crazy drinking weekend on Saturday and Sunday. Um, I mean, I was up four pounds on Monday morning compared to where I was on Friday morning, but it didn't impact me at all. Uh, not in my mind, not in my, uh, my plans for the gym during the week, not my plans for what I'm going to eat this week. It, it has all stayed the same. I stayed on track. And I mean, it was, it was gone within 48 hours because it was just water retention from sodium, essentially not so much the alcohol. Whereas on the flip side, I see people who their bodies aren't accustomed to the alcohol or aren't accustomed to the sodium or the, you know, two days of 25, 2,800 calories by eating out and their body definitely reacts completely different. So I want to pick up on something that you mentioned there. What she's saying is that because she's normally eating at a higher calorie point, she then 
when she go has a weekend away, it's not so drastic for the body to deal with, right? It's similar type calories. What happens for most of you who've been under eating for a long time, and I understand you're scared to add calories because you're scared to have weight, add weight. Look at the video, right? Look at Sarah's arms, things of this nature. But some of this does come down to effort, right? And what you're willing to do to kind of reach your goals. And we're one of the things I want to make sure we're not talking about is everyone gets to be who they want to be. But that includes Sarah, right? Because a lot of the times people will go, you know, I mean, I know you've seen it, you know, on your page where people will say, well, I don't really want to look like that. And it's like, don't worry, you're not gonna, right? Like, like the amount of work that it to put on the kind of muscle that you have, you know, the dedication, you know, not everybody wants to work out like I don't want to work out like that. Right. And and I think that that's important to say that when you combine a good amount of calories and you combine a good amount of effort, now you can live a little bit more flexible life. It's not about earning food. It's about earning, you know, the goals that you want. Right. Where, you know, none of us, none of us you know, we all expect to join a CrossFit gym or a weightlifting gym and then look like Matt Frazier in three weeks, right? Or look like, you know, Tia Claire Toomey in a month. And that's just not how it works. But you can always see the people that are weightlifting for a year, two years, things of that nature, just because their their bodies, like you said, more tone. I know we don't love that word, you know, the, the, the word tone basically just means that you're building muscle, right? What, what I think happens with, with people that say, well, I build muscle easily. No one builds muscle easy. What they're really saying is I gain weight easily, right? And the reason why you gain weight easily is a combination of a few factors, right? So one, you undereat too often. So those few times where you do actually enjoy your life, now all of a sudden the, the scale spikes up and then you start doing salads for the next two weeks. And that's really the wrong thing to do. What Sarah just said is that, you know, she just hops back on the plan. And because the plan, you know, um, is normal calories, you know, the, the sodium releases, weight comes back to normal things of that nature. So I think that that's, that all those things are really important to say, because like, you know, I, I hate talking, I hate using the word fat acceptance, but there's a lot of talk about fat acceptance. Um, and I, I don't believe in fat acceptance. I believe in acceptance, right? I believe that everybody gets to be whoever they want to be, right? But that includes fit people, right? Is that is there's, there's this narrative, right? Within the acceptance movement that is actually unaccepting of people that are very fit, right? And that do work hard. And, and the thing that struck me that was so difficult, I believe it was one of your posts where, where someone, someone was like, you know, this picture is going to send people to, to starving themselves so that they can look like that. And I'm just like, 
that's not what Sarah does, you know? And, and so, so I just think that that's really interesting. Um, I think, I think there's another important part of your story, right? That's not just about working out all the time and, and things of this nature. You, this is actually a pivot. When Eat the Form first started, you know, no one really likes to diet, right? Um, and people would say, can I just live in PR and, and just live my best life for the rest of my life? And my answer was yes, right? Um, that is mostly what I do. You know, I only really evaluate things in five-year chunks, right? And, and I try to stick to that because that's the best version of V to perform. That doesn't mean that that's the best version of Eat to Perform for a lot of people, right? My The thing that I changed my mind on is that I firmly believe that there has to be some level of weight management as you go. The body naturally, no matter what calories you're at. So like, for example, people will say, I'm at 1,100 calories and I'm gaining weight. That is a very controversial statement within science, right? Because you'll hear people talk a little bit about kind of the weekends away or sneaking goldfish crackers from your kid's lunch. And, and they'll say that, well, you're gaining weight because of those goldfish crackers. I think we have enough data to show that people do stall at those numbers. And if they stayed at those numbers, they could potentially gain weight in that scenario. What that weight is from you know, there's a lot of different ways to say that, but but I don't believe that people are lying is my point, right? And so it's that periodic down and the periodic up that I think sort of frustrates people. And so let's talk a little bit about weight management, right? Because, you know, um, in the time that I've known you, you've definitely done a few mini cuts, a few fat loss cycles. Talk to that because because what I don't want people to 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 believe is that Sarah Hoffman is out here just you know living her best life and and having parties all the time and that she she never she never runs a fat loss cycle you know um, talk to that um, yeah so my last fat loss cycle was a year ago um, it ended I think it was right at the end of October. Um, and uh, that yielded some pretty impressive results for me. It was easily the leanest I've ever been. Um, and uh, I guess if I had squeezed out a little bit more, I could have been, you know, stage ready, which is not anything that I, that I do, but it was a really cool achievement. Um, since then though, I've sort of thought, is that even worth it to do again? Would I want to do that again? Um, and I, I still don't know the answer to that, to be honest with you. Um, I sh struggle a little bit day over day, uh, depending on the day, depending on the week. If, you know, I'd like to be that lean again, because, you know, once you see it, once once you've achieved that goal, it's kind of hard to walk away from it. Um, but the sacrifices that were needed to get there might not be something that I want to do too regularly. Um, I do have a plan to do fat loss next year, maybe early March, uh, just again, preparing for summer, being in a swimsuit. Um, and I am not looking forward to it at all. 
I think that most people don't know what it's like to feel fueled. I don't think that they know how liberating it is to eat 2,600 calories, go to the gym at 100% and just crush it like every single day. Um, I th- the, 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 the term um, that I think of when you said that is that the juice just isn't worth the squeeze, right? And can you give people now... I just want to qualify this to all the people listening to this. This is not you. This is not your situation. This is not what your comfort level is. But can you explain to people the weight fluctuation in that time, right? And then I can maybe talk and kind of piece it together. Um, Just the level of commitment to be the level of lean, you know, all the time that I think if people were honest with themselves, they would go, I would rather just, I mean, like, like right now, you know, people can probably see you on video, right? You're, you're lean now, right? Right. So, so talk a little bit about, about, um, about that, right? Okay. So um, I finished uh, fat loss last year. Um, And then of course, as we went through AP, I lost a little bit more as we were coming out. And the lowest I got was 138 pounds, which is really, really low for me. I'm five, seven. Uh, I was at 15% body fat. Um, and it was, uh, you know, I was taking pictures in the mirror of my obliques and it was just like, this is insane how lean I am. Uh, I currently am 157 pounds or 147 pounds. I'm sorry. So that's nine, nine pounds difference. Um, I am hoping that I'm adding muscle. Uh, I will take some tests later on just to see if I, you know, can solidify what I believe to be happening because my strength has increased. Um, my size is not all that different, which is interesting. Uh, I mean, I can see where some of it's going. Obviously, you know, when you get that lean, 15%, and now I'm probably sitting at about 18%, which is still very lean. Uh, you know, it has to fill in in some places. So I can see where some of it's not muscle, but I am definitely so much bigger in my upper body. Um, so yeah, about nine pounds from last year. So if you did the math, right, this is actually interesting. I don't think most people think of this, right? Is that the difference between 15 and 18%. So if she's 147, every pound of fat, right, um, would be 1.47 pounds, right? And so basically, what are we looking at? You know, about four and a half pounds, which means that you possibly have gained four to five pounds of muscle over that course of that year. That's totally reasonable, right? What I think happens for for people, especially really lean people, is they want to get back to 138. And the problem is, is that the new number is 143, right? Right. And so we don't know exactly how much, but, but if we said at least four pounds, that would put you at 142 for muscle. And then if you're trying to get back to 130, 38, now the level of sacrifice, you know, you have to extend the dieting cycle. You have to, you know, like I have a client right now who's also really lean and um, 
you know, there's not a lot of weight loss at those end at the end of cycles, but, but the, there's definitely a lot of recomposition that happens. And then, you know, if you don't have the right mindset, if you're not of the mindset of life is more important than lean, then it can really mess you up mentally. Right. And so, so why don't we, we end on that note, because I feel like, like, I wish every client had the mindset that you have. And, 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 and trust me, everyone knows what you just said, including me, right? I, I look in the mirror, you know, I, I see, you know, what I look like. And I think to myself, I don't know, ma'am, should I really wait two more years? But what people don't realize is that you don't put on muscle in those lean faces, right? And I understand there's a lot of, there's a lot of people on Instagram that say you can gain muscle in a deficit. You're not gaining any real muscle in a deficit. I mean, that anybody saying that is trying to sell you on something that really is untrue. The people that stay like stage ready understand that it has to be cycles. It can't be this cycle of under eating all the time right? And, and it just messes with things mentally. So talk a little bit about the mindset that you have, you know, the mindset that you probably do fight through every now and again, and then how you do that, right? Because I, I think that that's unique for you. I think that's unique for human beings in general. Um, yeah. So, I mean, just in general, my mindset is about loving my life uh, first, um, I am very blessed to have jobs that are, uh, allow me to travel whenever I want to. My kids are older now. I have a great husband. I have a wonderful home. I have, I have a really great life. I want to be enjoying it. And for me, enjoying life also includes really great food. It's usually high in fat. Sometimes it's fried and it always comes with a side of alcohol. Um, it's just, it, I love it. I love, uh, visiting with friends around food. I, it's, it's our, one of our staples, uh, in, in life is, uh, breaking bread with people. And, um, I think that if my mindset wasn't there and knowing that I have done all the work to lay the groundwork for my body to to use all of that, to continue to push towards goals in the gym, then I could see how that might, uh, you know, those two pieces go, they go together really well. That I'm not eating, under eating most of the time, I'm usually in a maintenance or probably a surplus, maybe sometimes too much of a surplus sometimes, but the effort that I put in to the gym to build muscle, uh, they go really well hand in hand. Uh, and I just feel like there's a, it's like, that's the missing piece. If people would just eat the food, buy clothes that fit the body that you create, and then worry about cutting some fat out later, the long-term results that would come from that are just astronomical, right? It's okay if you get a little bit fluffy, buy the next size up and weather the storm and keep lifting the weights help your body to burn more fat later on. 
so that you too can do all these things and not gain weight. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk a little bit about um, the, the time where, you know, food is higher, right? And we want to make sure that we're not saying when food is higher, you have to earn that food, right? But I would think that that is somewhat motivating for you, right? So knowing that you're fueled up, we're not talking about tequila, right? We're talking about having, you know, Mexican food that's super sodium and things of this nature. I think your mindset is that's going to fuel great workouts in the gym. And do you push it harder on those days or those, those, those are the days where you're listening to music that really gets you pumped up. What does that look like? Uh, well, I mean, if I'm going to be really honest, if I've gone to the Mexican restaurant and then I also had margaritas, so more than likely the next day's workout will not be that great. Um, but the day after that, yes, for sure. Uh, back at it always, um, at a hundred percent, I've, I'm never tired because of lack of food. I may be tired because two days ago was one too many margaritas and we keep joking about it. I don't want it to sound like I do that all the time, but it does happen probably more regularly than most people. Um, but yeah, well-fueled for the workout whenever it does happen. Um, I, I can't remember the last time I was tired in the gym. Oh, I do. It was last fat loss cycle. It just, yeah making sure that I am eating appropriately. And, and it's not just eating, you know, 2,800 calories. Cause I went to the Mexican restaurant. I, you know, that's, that's one day out of two weeks. The other part of the two weeks, I am eating the appropriate split of macros and fueling myself appropriately so that the one or two days going out is not a big deal at all. Yeah. I mean, and then the other thing that, that you hit on that was so dead on um, is clothes that fit, right? And, and you know, we'll hear people say, well, you know, I'm a size four, you know, and I really want to stay a size four. And I remember, um, well, the, the leanest I, I got was 149. And at 149, I'm going to be honest with you, I looked like a 13-year-old, you know, like I was so small, um, and the, um, I'm sorry, I just got distracted. Uh, the, uh, but I was so small and the sacrifice that was happening for me in that moment, you know, was not good, right? And, and I had like an eye twitch going and, and all this and that. But, you know, I, I had basically had like a two-year journey at that point where I lost over 100 pounds. And, you know, I was going to be done with that. And I think I only did another fat loss. I, I think that ended right around when I was 39. I did another fat loss in 45 and then another one at 50. Um, but those were really just more, more maintenance. But in that time, you know, I gained 35 pounds of muscle, right? Like I just started looking like a different human being, but I was wearing a medium, most of the time. And then I had to go to a funeral and I put on my suit jacket and it just wouldn't fit. Right. And it wouldn't fit in my lats. I had grown a back, right. That I'd never had, you know, and, 
you know, you can fake a lot of stuff, right? You can actually get abs doing a lot of sit-ups and things. You can't fake a back, right? And, and so what I did was I went and bought a new suit coat, you know? And I think that, that a lot of people, you know, you'll see this a lot where like one of the things that people talk about with you a lot that you can't see in this video is your quads, right? Like you, you have really big quads. If you were a size four and you grew big quads, you're going to need new jeans because your thighs are bigger, right? And I think people need to be honest about that. They use, this happens with, with like uh, weight controlled sports and things of that nature where um, people use the fact that they competed at 132 as a gun against themselves, right? As, a, as like an ultimatum. And it's like, you're just creating all these fake rules that don't actually help in the long run, right? Just buy one size up, you know, and, and you'll be fine. You know, I mean, for the longest time, you know, so at 149, I got down to a, to a medium and only recently have I had to start to buy larges, right? Because I just wanted to buy clothes that fit my current body. And I'm proud of my current body. My, my body does amazing things, you know? Um, and, you know, it's kind of interesting because, you know, with the things that I do now, like with pickleball the other night, as an example, I ran from one side of the court to the other side of the court, hit the ball to the opposite side of the court and scored the point. There was not a person in that place that thought I could do that, right? But they don't know, you know, what I do outside of that, right? Or what I've been accustomed to doing. And I think that, that too many people get focused on that really small thing. And I, I think that the way that you live your life and, and the way that I like to live my life, there was something that I heard recently. And it, it was, what life would you build in the next three or four days if you knew you were going to die on Friday, right? And the last thing you would be concerned about is that you're not fitting in your size four jeans because your quads are too big, you know, or that your lats have grown or, or things of that nature. And I think that, you know, I know when I walked into the gym that, really kind of was how I consider my fitness to be now is I looked at it and I go, that's hard. That is what my body needs at this moment. And over time, I had to sort of talk myself out of that, right? Because, because what I was doing was, was like the boot camp mentality, right? Is that I'm just gonna work really hard for six months and I'm going to look like that army ranger that's like carved out of granite. And that's not how that works. You know, the army ranger carved out of granite has been working out since he was 12 years old. He knew that he was going to be an army ranger that whole time. And if there's any one thing that I would say that most people, if they could, if they could really change their mindset to, to big long-term goals, they would feel so much better rather than these short, almost like wish goals, right? That aren't, you know, 
reflective of what it's going to be. And then the, the worst thing that could happen is if you hit a wish goal, then what? And, and, and for, for people like me who lost a hundred pounds, that's a hard thing to reconcile. It's like, do I keep going harder? It's like, well, then are both of my eyes going to start twitching? And I, I just had to, I had to realize like, I just needed to, to pull things back. And, and when I pulled things back, I think I pulled it probably under where you are right now. But if I had just consistently done kind of what you do, I think I would have landed in a little different place. I, I'll, I will say one of the most impressive things about you is that you just really embrace like the mundane, you know, like for you and, and Stephanie and, and I mean, like you have kind of like this core group of people. One, one of the things that's interesting is that she was talking about the ads that she saw is one of the ads that she would have seen would have been Rachel, right? And now you coach Rachel, right? Or, 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 you know, like in the case of, of, you know, Stephanie, you guys have become really good friends. If you want to learn to be, you know, what other people similar to what you want to be like, you got to get in there with them. You got to do the things that they do. You got to talk with them. You got to have, have kind of mentors. You won't, you won't know what it's like if you're just around people eating 1100 calories all the time and, and just drinking so much pre-workout just because they have no energy. Right. And so I don't think you know what it's like until you know what Sarah's experience is. So I'm going to give you the last word because I know I've talked a lot, but it's just, I think that there's so much about what you do that is something that people really need to hear. Um, I also think of people think that you're maybe a little older than you are, right? Um, because your hair is white, right? And so a lot of a lot of the people that are menopause or postmenopause, you know, for those that don't know, Sarah's in a lot of our ads. Um, she's an influencer for Eat to Perform, so she has her own page, um, and so you can find that on Facebook. But what would your last words be to people? Like, what what would you say that you know we haven't covered that you think is really important for people to know? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I think we have covered it though. It's just the eating less all the time is not the answer. It, it may help you hit a, a weight goal. Um, it may even help you fit into the jeans that you wore in high school, but it's not going to bring you happiness once you get there because you don't know how to reverse out of that or all the things that might happen while you reverse out of that, that you're going to have to be okay with. Um, and uh, more than likely what you really want, the goal that you have usually involves muscle, not weight loss. And actually, you know, like, like she said, she's nine pounds higher. You know, the dirty little secret of muscle gain is that you do need to weigh a little bit more to gain that muscle. 
But once you gain that four to five pounds of muscle, getting rid of that four to five pounds of fat, that's easy, right? And so it was great chatting with you. The, uh, this might not be the only one. I just feel like, I feel like a lot of people want to be you, but not in the way, not in the what Sarah looks like, right? What they really want is your life, right? They want to live that life of joy. They want to, to travel. They want to eat freely, but they don't know what that's like in practical. So they need to hear that from you. So I really appreciate your time. And, and I just think that you're a great role model for the community as so many people are, you know, just like Rachel was for you, you know, and it's, it's just so funny to me that you guys have each other as a resource now. So I appreciate you taking the time to do it and we'll talk to you later. Bye now. Uh